The Bradford Exchange presents The Classic Radio Theater with your host, Carl Amari. Countdown for blast off. X minus one. Yes, it's Maxwell House Coffee Time, starring George Burns and Gracie Allen. Richard Diamond, private detective. The Johnson Wax Program with Fibber McGee and Molly. Suspense. It's time once again for another comedy episode of Our Miss Brooks. Dragnet. We offer you escape. Kraft presents the Great Gildersleeve. Yeah. I'm that man. Matt Dillon, United States Marshal. Good evening, friends of the Inner Sanctum. The Jack Benny Program. Welcome, everyone, to episode 33 of the Classic Radio Theater. Each week, the Bradford Exchange and participating sponsors bring you three hours of the Classic Radio Theater, featuring programming from the golden age of radio. This time, we'll hear two episodes of the Screen Director's Playhouse, starring Bob Hope, Jane Russell, and John Garfield. We'll begin after this short break. In 1948, CBS launched what are now considered the notorious talent raids on NBC's highest-rated comedians, convincing them to switch networks in exchange for lucrative contracts. In a counteroffensive, executives at NBC created multiple in-house programs produced and owned by the network. Among these was The Screen Director's Playhouse, a weekly drama anthology featuring Hollywood actors reprising their screen roles a la Lux Radio Theater. The primary focus of the program was the original movie's director, who not only served as a guest host, but also participated in an interview towards the end of the broadcast. Unlike Lux, which featured Cecil B. DeMille as a regular host, the Screen Director's Playhouse had a different director host each week. NBC poured a considerable amount of money into the productions. On one particular week, John Wayne and Claire Trevor reprised their screen roles in an adaptation of Stagecoach, with director John Ford chatting about his experiences making the movie. Tallulah Bankhead came back to star in Lifeboat, with director Alfred Hitchcock at the helm. Rather surprising when you consider the two never got along very well during filming. Edward G. Robinson revisited his role in The Night Has a Thousand Eyes. Dick Powell replayed his part in Pitfall, and Dorothy McGuire reprised The Spiral Staircase. The program was an immediate success and the most profitable of the network's ventures during the two years NBC and CBS were vying for ratings. After 18 months, the program was expanded from 30 minutes to 60, which gave the network more time to sell sponsorship. Time now for the first of two episodes of the Screen Director's Playhouse. In this first one, Bob Hope and Jane Russell recreate their film roles in The Pale Face. Calamity Jane attempts to find out who's smuggling rifles to the Indians and winds up married to a hapless correspondence school dentist as part of her cover. Here's the screen director's playhouse. RCA Victor, world leader in radio, first in recorded music, first in television, proudly presents... Screen Director's Playhouse, stars Bob Hope, Jane Russell, production The Pale Face, director Norman MacLeod... The Hollywood Screen Directors present The Reason the West Went Wild, the motion picture comedy The Pale Face, starring Bob Hope and Jane Russell in their original roles of Painless Peter Potter and Calamity Jane. It's the Old West. The rootin', tootin', shootin' Old West. And there's trouble in the Indian country. Thousands of settlers are in danger because a band of renegade whites is smuggling rifles and dynamite to the Indians. In desperation, the governor has sent for the one person who might seek out the ringleaders. 
the famous two-gun frontier gal, Calamity Jane. Jane, in here, the back way. <laughs> the governor's mansion. First time I ever walked in here of my own free will, with my guns on. Uh, Jane, have you ever heard of a man named Preston? Well, we think he's heading up a gang that's smuggling guns and dynamite to the Indians. Well, why don't you stop him? We can't. Every agent we've sent out has been murdered. Help us and the government will show its gratitude by freeing you of all charges. Well, why pick on me? Because you're the best shot in the country. Uh, suppose I take your offer. There's a wagon train going west to Indian country from Deerfield. You'll join it. You must disguise yourself. And it's important that you get yourself a husband, too. A husband? Why? Well, Jane, it's secrecy we want. As man and wife, you'll be lost in the crowd. You leave for Fort Deerfield on the next stage. So, Calamity Jane, in disguise, heads for Fort Deerfield to get her man. But somebody else in Fort Deerfield gets his man, too. It's painless Peter Potter, the dentist. Yes, sir, this will be the first tooth I ever pulled in Fort Deerfield. You ever pulled him anywhere else? Why, of course, my friend. Can't you see my sign? Painless Peter Potter. I pull teeth without pain. They wouldn't let me play this part till I left Pepsodent. <laughs> now, if you'll open wide. Well, just remember this gun in my lap while you're looking. You see, it's this one right here, right next to the... Ah, uh, please, no coaching from the audience, please. Now, let me see. The book says one can detect an ailing tooth by the dull sound it makes when struck lightly by a hammer. Hmm, sounds logical. Let's give it a try. There's the little doll now. Now for the gas. What gas? Laughing gas. I always use it on my patients. Kind of wish I'd use it on the audience here, too. Is this stuff safe? Safest thing in the world. Would you mind paying me now? Laughing gas. Well, it better be good. I'm warning you, Doc. Oh, don't be silly. It's harmless. Look, I'll take some myself. You see? Nothing happens. <laughs> well, all right. Let's get it over with. Oh, that's fine. Will you join me? Breathe deeply now. Go ahead, Doc. <laughs> Open wide now, steady Steady now <laughs> That is your tooth, I think Just look at that Hey, I struck gold Oh, gold <laughs> That's my inlay You <laughs> You pulled the wrong tooth <laughs> What do you know? You got a hole in your head. <laughs> I ought to put one in yours with a bullet. Laugh <laughs> well, so loud, you sound like Milton Burrow's mother. What's the matter with you? Delivered coyote, I'll give you 15 minutes to get out of town. <laughs> Last town, I got 20 minutes. <laughs> Come on, horses, move. You're slowing down. Okay, move over, mister. Oh, charmed, I'm sure. The name is Painless. Say, how did you get on my wagon? I climbed over your tailboard. Please, this program goes through Pasadena. <laughs> All right, I'll take those reins. Oh, sure, dear. I'm at your disposal. Who? Ho there, boys. Steady, steady. Come on around now. I got to join that wagon train. The wagon train's heading for Indian country. Well, you're not afraid of Indians, are you? Are you kidding? I lost my scalp on them last year. Cleveland tribe. Give me those... <laughs> Give me those reins. I'm heading back home. Come on, now, make up your mind, kid. You going with me? Mister, you got yourself a traveling companion. <laughs> What's your horse so excited about? That wasn't the horse. That was me. <laughs> well, do we keep traveling? Yeah, keep traveling. Keep them lips coming in the same direction. Closer. Hey, what have you got your gun in your hand for? Well, this? 
what's in case somebody tries to interrupt us. Oh, okay. I'm puckering up. Kiss me. <laughs> Boy, can you kiss. Boy. Well, it's too bad I had to slug you, son, but I got to join that wagon train. Look for some goof dumb enough for me to marry. Yay. Kiss me again. <laughs> A Bang. dumb goof. Bang. Painless. Hey, painless, painless, wake up. Wake up. You're just the man I was hoping to meet. Bang, bang. You know, there's something about you that appeals to me. Bang, bang. Wake up, dummy. We're going to get married. You can tell this is a fantasy, can't you? <laughs> got married just in time. That wagon train's all ready to start. Don't forget, Painless, you promised to love, honor, and protect me. Yeah, let's do it in the order named, huh? <laughs> folks, folks, now we're gonna start moving. Everybody follow the wagon ahead of them. Don't want nobody taking a wrong turn because we're in Indian country. Indian country? Look, Jane, do we have to go? Now, darling, listen, you were going to kiss me, remember? Yeah, yeah it's my scalp versus your kisses. Come on, kiss me. Now. Just call me Baldy. <laughs> Where your friends don't tote a gun My bones denounce The buckboard bounce And the cat just hurts my toes Let's vamoose Where gals keep using those Silks and satins and linen that shows And you're all mine in buttons and bows Is that an opinion? <laughs> Shh, quiet, Crosby, quiet. <laughs> Can't you see she's sleeping? Not anymore, I'm not. You just woke me up. Anyway, I better stay awake and... Hey, it's night. Where's the wagon ahead of us? Wagon? Ahead of us? Tarnation, you lost the wagon train. I did not lose the wagon train. They lost me. <laughs> now we're in for it, stupid. Alone in the Indian country. You're not alone. I'm here. How can you tell? <laughs> <laughs> Look, Jane, there's a blockhouse. Whoa, boy. Well, I guess we can spend the night there. Let's go. Hey, wait for me. Gee, the two of us alone in our own little blockhouse. That's what I get for marrying a blockhead. <laughs> Look, the door is open. Come, my bride, I'll lift you across the threshold. Just a... Well? No wonder Alvin Barkley waited so long. <laughs> Alone at last. Uh, painless. Would you get me a drink of cold water, please? Yeah, well, for water? Cold? Cold water. <laughs> well, that adds up. Now let me see. <laughs> All right, I'll go, but if I'm not back in three minutes, you know I fell down the well. Hmm. Maybe he'll be here in three minutes, but I won't. I'm going out and sleep in that wagon. <laughs> Sounds like Arthur Godfrey's backyard. <laughs> Painless, what are you doing? Oh, I'm out here by the well shaving. <laughs> hmm, I cut myself. Shaving too close. <laughs> I'm certainly a nervous wreck. I'd better... <laughs> well, look what's here, an arrow. I wonder who shot it. Now, that shouldn't be too hard to figure. Who shoots arrows? Cupid? No, it couldn't be Cupid. William Tao? No, that's silly. Indian. Yeah. Indian? <laughs> hey! Hey, open up! Hey! Come here! I can't! I don't, I don't dast open that door. I don't dast. You better dast or I'll be dice. Hey, Jane! Jane, you're hitting me with arrows! Where? 
I don't like to say, but if I cut my suspenders, my pants will stay up. Open the, <laughs> <laughs> Open the window, please. No, it's too late. I can't. Honey, you're too young to be a widow. Listen, I'm throwing a couple of guns out there for you. You grab them and take care of yourself. All Get right. some cover. Get in that barrel. Wait a minute. That's a pickle barrel. I could end up with marinated hips. Wait a minute. <laughs> guns, here they are. Get in the barrel. There. There you are. Hiya, bud. What's new? <clears throat> Gotta get hold of myself. Imagine talking to a pickle. <laughs> Shoot. How do you do it? Guns, guns? I hope they're loaded. I wish I was too. <laughs> Darn it, why didn't I pay attention during those Hopalong Cassidy pictures? <laughs> the Russian is painless? Oh, they're attacking. Boy, if these were water pistols, I'd drown them to death. <laughs> Might as well shut my eyes and shoot. <laughs> hey, I got one. Let's try that again. This is more fun than canasta. <laughs> All right, Redskin, painless Peter Potter has the range. Take this. <laughs> what do you know? Three Indians with one bullet, huh? <laughs> Shoot arrows at me, will you? <laughs> that thinned them out. Here comes the last one. Boy, gun's empty. <laughs> you must have scared him to death. <laughs> We just ran out of Indians. I'm getting out of the barrel. Painless, are you all right? Yeah, yeah. But I'm a little weary of it all. Killing 19 Indians before breakfast. You killed 19 Indians? Count them. But it was me who hey, shot them. Hey, what's been going on here? Well, Painless, look, it's the wagon train. We heard the shooting and turned back, and I... Yeah, holy smoke. Look at all them dead Indians. Hey, everybody, come here, come here. Where? Come running, brother, I gotta shake your hand Just hang on to mine, it'll shake for both of us Painless, why didn't you tell me you were so brave? Well, I couldn't, I was up to my neck in that pickle barrel I had cold dills running up and down my spine <laughs> Yep, we'd have been a goners without you drawing off all them redskins hey, You're a hero, Painless Speed, speed yeah. Well, okay Ladies and gentlemen, at this time, I'd like to say a few words. Let's get out of here before those redskins get back. Those are the words. Come on. <laughs> you are listening to the Screen Directors Playhouse production of The Pale Face, starring Bob Hope and Jane Russell, and presented by RCA Victor. In 1850, the accepted symbol of the happy American home was a fireplace. In 1950, it's an RCA Victor television set. If that symbol hasn't yet become a reality in your home, it may be because you don't realize how RCA Victor has brought down the price of quality television this year. Take just one of their new 1950 16-inch consoles, the TC-167, which is yours for about $400. Its cabinet is so superb you wouldn't be surprised if the price tag applied to it alone. Yet inside, at a mere flick of a switch, the whole television world rolls towards you with a brilliance of sight and sound which only the world leader in electronics can achieve. See all the new television models at your RCA Victor dealers. Every one of them bears the unmistakable touch of the master hand. Every one goes to your home with a time-of-your-life guarantee. Now, back to the Screen Directors Playhouse production, The Pale Face, starring Bob Hope and Jane Russell in their original roles of Painless Peter Potter and Calamity Jane. Well, the shooting's over, for the moment at least. Payless and Jane have rejoined the wagon train and moved on triumphantly to Buffalo Flats. And, of course, Painless is still unaware that his wife is none other than two-gun Calamity Jane, a government agent tracking down a gunrunner named Preston. In the saloon at Buffalo Flats, all is gaiety, and our dauntless dentist is the hero of the hour. Okay, set him up. Everybody in the house, this here's another round on me. Bartender, bartender. Celery tonic for everybody. Set him up. <laughs> oh, Mr. Painless, you're wonderful. I sure would be proud to claim you for a friend. Oh, I should say not. I'm a married man. But keep after me, though. Underneath it all, I'm a cad. <laughs> 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 
Bartender, where are those drinks? See what the boys in the back room will have. Partner, nobody bothers the boys in the back room. They're talking business. All right, Jeb, we won't be disturbed back here. I'm listening, Mr. Preston. Now, we've got word that the governor has sent another agent snooping around. It's supposed to be a dead shot. What's his name? Well, from the looks of things, I'd say his name was Painless Potter. Oh, so that painless dentist have that just a front, huh? Yeah, we'll put him away, all right. Hey, what about the dynamite? I brought it up in the wagon. Okay, leave it there. What are you going to do about that dentist, Mr. Preston? Now, listen. Yellow Feather's waiting on the edge of town. Go tell him to send me six of his braves. Here it is, Janie, our own private room. We're all set, honey. Room and running water. They got a guy who'll run for it. No. No, painless. It wouldn't be fair. Sure it's fair. They give him a good salary. Three dollars a week and all he can drink. <laughs> Darling, you're just too modest to understand. Huh? You're a hero. A man apart. Yeah, but I can get it all back together with scotch tape. <laughs> Look outside there, dear. Yeah? Once that was a forest. Yeah? Then it became a trail. Yeah? Then a town. And someday it'll be a city. Yeah, that's what I like, progress. And I'm not making any. <laughs> Wait a minute, Pinks. It'll be a city, darling, with the statue of a great man. Yeah? And do you know whose statue it'll be? Yeah, the guy who invented girls. <laughs> Wait, Pinks. It'll be a statue of Painless Potter. Huh? Yes, sir, and under the statue it'll say... Painless Potter, the intrepid hero who saved an entire wagon train by killing 19 Indians. Nineteen and a half. There was a midget in there someplace. You're a hero now. You belong to the people. Our marriage won't work, Painless. We're through. The game is over. Over? I never got past scrimmage. <laughs> I'm sorry, Painless. It's just over, that's all. Oh, this is great. Great. I give up my career, take you out here in a wagon train... Save your life by killing 23 Indians, and now you want to get rid of me. Painless, I'm not the only girl. Believe me, there are other fish in the sea. Yeah, and I'm going out and cast some bait. <laughs> hey, maybe I should have kissed her goodbye. <laughs> what do you know, even thinking about it? <laughs> Hell face heap puffs. <laughs> Papado, take pale face to cheap yellow feather now. Painless, was that you? Did you... Oh. Take him, squaw, too. Quick, go see, chief. Boy, the accommodation this Indian camp is sure crummy. Why didn't we ask for the bridal TP? Painless, listen, we're in trouble. Bad trouble. Yeah, I don't understand why these guys are so mad at me. I guess it's time you did know, Painless. You're in this mess because a renegade named Preston mistook you for somebody else. Who? Me. <laughs> Are you kidding? Painless, I'm not what you think I am. Well, you're Jane, my wife. I'm Calamity Jane. Yeah, well, that's a pretty nick... You, Calamity Jane? The two-gun outlaw? Not anymore, Painless. The governor said that he'd clear me if I tracked down Preston. I'm a federal agent. And you were mistaken for me because they thought you killed all those Indians. Then it wasn't me shot all them Indians? No. Not even one? No, I shot them all. In any minute I could have been killed? Yes. Right, uh, selling a lot of Pontiacs today. <laughs> me, a hero. I bet I sure have been handing you a laugh. I'll tell you what they ought to write on that statue. Painless Potter, poop head of the Pecos. Painless. What now? There's one more thing I gotta tell you. I gotta tell you that I love you. This another laugh? No, Painless. I think you're the kindest, bravest man I ever knew. Listen, we gotta get out of here. How? That's what I'm wondering, how? Oh, I <laughs> Jane, it's the guard, Wapato That's our chance You palaver him, I'll sneak up behind him and conk him Go ahead Right Wapato What White Squaw want? White Squaw want talk with Indian Brave White Squaw like big, strong men uh -huh. Wapato big, 
Strong. About the week when White Squaw talked. Boy, can I kiss. Come on, Jane. I'll take his knife and cut the back of the teepee. Let's go. Penis, look, a wagon and some horses. Come on, we gotta get out of here. We'll never make it without guns. There might be some in the wagon. I'll take a look. Hey, and I'll unhitch the horses. Gee, it's awful dark in here. Can't see a thing. I better light a match. Nope, no guns. Nothing but a lot of barrels. I wonder what's in them. Candles. Ain't logical. Candles. Why should they pack them in sawdust? I wonder what the... Hey, let's drop that match. Do you want them all to see it? There, they've seen us. Yellow feather, they're escaping. Oh, that must be Preston. We'll have to run for it. Come on. I'm coming. Jump on that horse. Hey, wait a minute. That horse's harness is still hitched to the wagon. That's my garter belt. Come on, let's go. <laughs> They got the horses off the wagon. Get after them. We got to get them. If they get away, we're all... Wait a minute, the wagon. Something's burning in there. The dynamite... The governor's very grateful, Painless. If those Indians had ever gotten hold of that dynamite, every white settler in the territory would have died. Well, it's all over, dear. Now we can settle down to our honeymoon. Oh, darling. I can't. The governor's got another job for me. Oh, but Jane... The Blackfeet are getting ready to go on the warpath. But... Don't you see? It's my duty, Paymus. And this time he wants me to go alone. I'm sorry. Will you kiss me goodbye? <laughs> Darling, how you can kiss. <sighs> sorry I had to use my gun, sister, but this is important. Let Swan Soap take care of the Blackfeet. <laughs> You have just heard the last act of The Pales. Our stars, Bob Hope and Jane Russell, and our guest screen director, Norman McLeod, will be with us in just a moment. Next Friday, a great, great big star brings one of his most performances to the screen. A great dramatic star brings one of his most powerful performances to the screen director's playhouse. Our story is Portrait of Jenny, and recreating his original role will be Joseph Cotton with screen director William Dieterle. Now, here again are tonight's stars, Bob Hope and Jane Russell. Hear that applause? Oh, they loved you, Jane. Oh, thank you, Jimmy, but I wasn't... Oh, ready. now, don't be modest, Jane. When it comes to a really lovable, fresh, talented young star, there's no one in the world to compare with... Hi, everybody. <laughs> Look, Bob, if you don't mind, Jane happens to be one of Hollywood's leading fans for RCA Victor's 45 automatic record changer and records. And I was hoping to get her all to myself to discuss them. Well, you were hoping against hope. <laughs> now, Jane, about your 45. I have a 45, too, you know. A portable, if it's intimate detail you want. Why, Bob, my 45 record changer is a portable, too. Isn't it the lightest little thing? Even when it's loaded with those ten tiny records. I'll say, when I first picked up my 45, I didn't know it was loaded. You know, Janie... <laughs> If, <laughs> if we should happen to meet on the lot someday, both of us carrying our 45s, we can make beautiful music together. In fact, even without our 45s. <laughs> what first attracted you to the 45, Jane? Why, Jimmy, the marvelous choice of records. RCA Victor really has the very best of everything on the 45. The classics, the folk songs, the pops. Speaking of pops, I see where RCA Victor has just signed up Margaret Truman. <laughs> Forgive me, Margaret. The trouble with Bob is, Jimmy, he's jealous because RCA Victor never asked him to record for them. Yeah, Jimmy, I could make a great 45 record. On one side, I'd revive my first giant song hit, Thanks for the Memory, for people to send in with their income tax checks. <laughs> and on the other side, Bob, you could say thanks to RCA Victor for bringing the finest recorded music within everybody's reach, even kids. You know, the 45 automatic record changer that you plug into a radio costs only $12.95. Yeah, well, even my old dad, Jack Benny, can buy one of those. <laughs> and prices on the 45 records start as low as 46 cents. It's no wonder the 45 is sweeping the country. Get your 45 soon at your RCA Victor dealers.
got us a real live directive. Got him. Tonight? That's right, partner. We we got him hogtied, horn swoggled, and ready to be branded. Ready to be ready to be branded. Well, ready to be ready ready to be branded. Ready swag horn tied hide hog. We and films as Topper and The Secret Life of Walter Mitty and Pennies from Heaven, starring a pooped out prop boy named Crosby. <laughs> Our director Norman McLeod. Thank you, Jane and Robert. Gee, it must be great to be a director. How'd you start, Norman? Well, I took the university course that I thought would be most helpful in handling actors. What's that? Ichthyology. Ichthyology? Yeah, the study of fish. <laughs> I'm not sure, but I think I've just been insulted. <laughs> Well, on the level, Bob, when you get right down to it, what's the difference between fish and actors? Well, the fish get free fish food, you see. <laughs> and fish don't have directors. Yeah, that's where we have it all over the halibut. <laughs> Both Jane and I know, Norman, that with you calling the shots, we're pretty safe out there in front of the cameras. Thank you, Bob Imagine a director of fish expert Now I know where that Crosby picture he made was such a success <laughs> Good night, Norman, Jane Good night, Bob Good night, everyone And good night to you, Bob Hope, Jane Russell, and Norman McLeod Remember next Friday, Joseph Cotton in Portrait of Jenny with screen director William Dieterle, brought to you by RCA Victor, world leader in radio, first in recorded music, first in television. The Pale Face was presented through the courtesy of Paramount Pictures, whose current release is the Hal Wallace production, Paid in Full, starring Robert Cummings, Elizabeth Scott, and Diana Lynn. Bob Hope appeared through the cooperation of Lever Brothers, and his current release is the Paramount picture, The Great Lover. Bob Hope and Jane Russell are currently appearing in person at the Paramount Theater in New York. Jane Russell can currently be seen in the Howard Hughes production, The Outlaw, an RKO release. Norman MacLeod's next Paramount release is Let's Dance, starring Betty Hutton and Fred Astaire. Portions of tonight's program were transcribed. Original music was composed and conducted by William Lava. Screen Director's Playhouse is produced by Howard Wiley with dramatic direction by Bill Carn. This is Jimmy Wallington speaking and inviting you to listen again next Friday when RCA Victor presents... Screen Director's Playhouse, star Joseph Cotton, production Portrait of Jenny, director William Dieterle... <laughs> Now here's Jimmy Durante and Don Amici on NBC. And that's the Screen Director's Playhouse with The Pale Face, starring Bob Hope and Jane Russell from March 3rd, 1950, as heard over NBC. All of the classic radio shows we present on this series are direct from the master recordings. I have more than 100,000 original radio episodes under license from the owners and estates, and we make them available via digital download or on CD through our Classic Radio Club. By joining the Classic Radio Club, you'll receive 10 superior-sounding classic radio shows sent directly to you each month, along with detailed liner notes and photos of the stars. You'll receive your first 10 classic radio episodes for only $1, and you can cancel at any time. To learn more about the Classic Radio Club, log on to ClassicRadioClub.com. That's ClassicRadioClub.com. John Garfield reprises his film role in Body and Soul on the Screen Director's Playhouse after this short break. Welcome back to the Classic Radio Theater. I'm your host, Carl Amari. This time, John Garfield stars in Body and Soul, the story of a poor kid from the slums who becomes boxing champ by associating with the wrong people. Here's the Screen Director's Playhouse. 
from Hollywood, the Screen Directors Playhouse. Screen Directors Playhouse, star John Garfield, production Body and Soul, director Robert Rosson. The Hollywood Screen Directors present a portrait on canvas. The motion picture drama, Body and Soul, starring John Garfield in his original role of Charlie Davis. Gladiators, the heroes, the fighters, the contender, Jackie Marlowe, and the champ, Charlie Davis. Charlie Davis. If you've ever watched the prize fight, you've watched Charlie. His body reddening under the leather shock, the split lip and the crimson welt, the eyes tired, tired. This is the body of Charlie Davis, defending champion of the universe. You know Charlie. But his soul, the soul of the gladiator, that you don't know. That the crowd never knows. Take it, Sam, take it. He's getting in. Can't stop him. Try. Two time. Here it is, Sam. One. Time. Gotta get up. Gotta fight. They saw me out. Down the drain. All the years from the beginning. The amateurs and shorty. Pass the butter. Ah, here you are. Some fight, huh, Shorty? You see me call him? Wham, a knocker. So you KO an amateur stumble bum at a club stag. That makes you a champion? Oh, we're getting a free dinner out of it, ain't we? I'm doing all right. Yeah, you're doing fine. You love living with your ma on an east side cheese box. You love not having a job. You love the depression. Oh, yeah, you're doing great. I'm sorry. Rockefeller won't lend me no money. Oh, you're a fighter, Charlie. You can be a great pro fighter. Well, go and argue with my ma. She don't understand, Charlie. Well, she hates fighting, Shorty. She don't want me to fight pro. Well, here comes the speeches. Uh... <laughs> Folks, the Iroquois Democratic Club has a big surprise for our own neighborhood champ, Charlie Davis. Hooray! Uh, just a minute. The privilege, the privilege of a solo dance with Miss Iroquois Democratic Club. And here she is, boys. Here she is. Hey, Charlie. Look at what you're getting. In a bathing suit, yet. <laughs> well, you gotta dance with her. Oh, now, wait a minute. Oh, wait till the boys at the pool hall hear about this. Okay, okay, don't push me. I'll dance. Um, hi. Hello. I, uh, I ain't never danced with a girl in a bathing suit. They're watching you. Better put your arms around me. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Okay. Now, you're dancing. Yeah. And you know what? I like it. I like it. This is where I live, Charlie. Oh, Peg, uh, don't go in yet. Why not? Why, well, I, uh, I, I want to talk to you some more. All right. Tell me, how does it feel to be the amateur boxing champion of the universe? Oh, uh, there ain't no dough in it. Then you'll have to be professional champion of the universe. Well, it's my ma. She don't want me to fight professional. She wants I should go to school, study. But you, Charlie, you want to fight. Well, that's what I was made for. You're made like a tiger. Tiger, tiger, burning bright in the forests of the night. Hey. I... Char... 
Sure, I'm a tiger. I got claws. But not for you, Peg. Not for you. Charlie, how about a game of snooker? No, shorty, no, thanks. Oh, we won't be meeting Peg for another ten minutes. What are you so nervous about? Well, I take my girl to meet my ma for the first time. I got a right to be nervous. Charlie, your ma's a fine woman, but about the fight business, she don't know from Bosch. Lay off, will you, shorty? She don't want me to fight pro, so I don't fight pro. So you don't bring any money into the house either? Your pa dead, you without a job? Uh, who's got a job these days? Ben Chaplin. He just won the championship. He's doing fine. Hey, look, Charlie, look. There's Phil Quinn over there, the fight manager. Hey, come on. Uh... Come on. Uh, Mr. Quinn? Yeah? I want you should meet Charlie Davis. Hello, Charlie. Uh... I've seen you fight. Yeah, pretty good, ain't he, Mr. Quinn? Not bad. Maybe someday he learns enough to make coffee and donuts. I'm not looking for coffee and donuts. <laughs> smart punk, huh? Maybe we make a deal, smart punk. No deal. I ain't fighting. Ah, beat it. You're wasting my time. Holy smoke, shorty. I forgot about Peg. <sighs> okay, let's go, Charlie. I hope Ma likes her, Shorty. All, all through dinner, she'll ask questions. I can hear her now. And uh, where do you come from, Miss Bourne? And where do you come from, Miss Bourne? From Highland Town, Mrs. Davis. My father's a druggist there. Ah, professional man. Very nice. My Charlie, all he thinks about is fighting. He should be the world's champion nosebreaker. He'd make money, Mrs. Davis. He'd be the champ. So let him fight for something, not for money. Oh, sit still, Charlie. I'll go. I'm Miss Tedder from the community charity. Oh. I'm so sorry to interrupt your dinner, but I'm just getting around to your application now. Ma, what is this? Uh, maybe Peg and I should leave. No, no, you sit here. What is this all about? Our charity requires certain information before we can help you people. Charity? Now, race, white, religion, Jewish, nationality, American. Get out of here. Get out. Charlie. Tell them we don't need any help. Tell them we're dead. Well, oh. I'm sorry. Get out. Oh, Charlie. Oh, Charlie, Charlie. I did it for you. You should be able to study. I'll study. I'll study how to make more money than you ever heard of. Shorty. Yeah, Charlie? Get me a fight from Quinn. Understand? I want money, money, money. Now get the fights, Charlie. You use your fists. Use them good and we'll make a lot of money. That's what I want, Quinn. Money. Lots of We're booked into Pittsburgh, Charlie. Next month it's Philly, then we head west. Give me a year, Shorty, a year to make the top. and all winners and lots of money. Well, this is it, Charlie. How do you like your New York apartment? Hey, it's big, huh? <laughs> the best class. <laughs> and fully equipped. Open that door. Why? Go ahead, the door. Go ahead. Well, you got a surprise for me? Peg! Hello, Charlie. Oh, <laughs> Peg, Peg. Tiger, tiger, Charlie. Oh, you... You what I've been fighting for. I... Ma! Ma, you're here, too. Oh, Charlie, you poor face. Oh, it's nothing. Souvenirs. Well, come on, Mom. Show me around your <laughs> Peg. Yes, Shorty? Peg, you and Charlie, you should get married right away. Have I got a rival? Yeah. Money, Peg. Money. He won't listen to me anymore. Only you. If you don't hold on to him, goodbye, Charlie Davis. Oh, marry him, Peg. Marry him now. Ah, visitors already. Hi, Shorty. Where's Charlie? Here. What's up, Quinn? Ah, uh, big news, Charlie. You're in. So we got it? 
The big fight? It's being arranged. You're going to get a crack at Ben Chaplin. You hear that, Peg? Chaplin, the champ! Uh, Quinn. Yeah? Who's handling the contracts? Roberts. Roberts? He's a gangster. He's poison. Nobody fights for real dough unless Roberts gets cut in. He's the money, the real estate, everything. What's he want? Nothing much. Only Charlie. Oh, Charlie, they're cutting you to pieces. So what? It's only more money cut more ways, a bigger part. It's like giving away your right arm. Oh, what are you talking about? You're my right arm. You stay. Quinn stays. What about me, Charlie? Do I stay? Peg, you're my girl. Am I going to be your wife, Charlie? Well, sure, sure. We'll be married, but not now. Now I got to train for the fight, arrange things with Roberts. Well, you understand, don't you, Peg? I always understand. Well, we need dough, more dough. I'll fight for it, Peg, and I'll get it. You'll see. Me and my fists. We're going to get everything we want. You are listening to the Screen Director's Playhouse presentation of Body and Soul, starring John Garfield in his original role of Charlie Davis, with Barbara Eiler as Peg Bourne. Charlie Davis, the champ. His stunned body pressed against the smooth canvas of the ring. With part of his mind, Charlie knows they're cheering for his defeat, cheering for Jackie Marlowe. And with another part of his mind, he hears the referee counting. Four! Gotta get up. Fight. Five! No use. Down the drain. Sold out. Roberts. Roberts. Mr. Roberts, Quinn tells me you want to talk business. You want to fight the champ? Uh, they tell me I got to work through you. Everybody works through me. The champ, everybody. All right, Roberts. How much will it take? 50% of you from now on. You're crazy. 50%. We split Quinn's end. You pay the rest. Oh, why don't you use a gun? Only when I'm double-crossed, Charlie. You want to fight Chaplin? Like paradise, I want it. Then we do business my way. Okay. Fifty percent. Congratulations. We're partners now. That's all, champ. Huh? You can go now. Yeah. Okay, partner. I'll be seeing you. <laughs> Hello, Quinn. Your boy's set. I didn't tell him about that blood clot in Chaplin's head. What? So what if Chaplin does get killed? He owes me dough. He has to fight. I told him Charlie will hit light. But we don't tell Charlie. The crowd loves a killer. Shorty, Roberts, look. Chaplin's still unconscious. What's wrong with him, Doc? I don't know. He's pretty badly beaten. I'd like a dressing room cleared. Sure, come on, he's all right. My boy. You hurt my boy. I'm his manager. I shouldn't have let him fight. You're getting paid, aren't you? You'd better leave. Yeah, yeah, anything I can do. Let me know. Anything. Come on, Shorty. No, I'll stick around, Charlie. I'll meet you later at the celebration party. Okay, Peg's expecting you. Yeah, yeah, I'll be there. I don't understand how Chaplin got hurt so bad. You promised to have Davis take it easy on my boy. What? Who promised? Have it your way, Shorty, I promised. Chaplin has a blood clot in his brain. But Charlie didn't know anything it's about business. this. We changed our minds about telling him. 
Chaplin shouldn't have fought. It was murder. Doc. Doc, what do you mean? He's dead. Dead. He was a good boy. A good fighter. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm uh, I'm throwing a party for the new chap. Send me the bill for the funeral expenses. be all right. Won't he, Roberts? Forget it, Charlie. We'll talk about him tomorrow. Hey, here comes Shorty. Maybe we ought to talk about Chaplin now, Charlie. Why? He's dead. Oh, no. Dead? I killed him? No. No, your partner, Roberts, killed him. Chaplin was double-crossed. He had a blood clot. They promised him an easy go, but they didn't tell us. Don't listen to him, Charlie. You hit him hard, that's all. You hit him like a champion. Yeah, yeah. I'm sorry, but we couldn't help it. Shorty... Who's been feeding you that stuff about a double cross? Oh, Charlie, get out. Get out now. We're infested with rats. What's the matter with you, Shorty? We're sitting on top of the world. You want to get out? Get out. But leave me alone. Charlie, he's your friend. Friend? Uh, Robert, you're drinking champagne, huh? Well, drink this for Chaplin. You shouldn't have thrown it in my face, Shorty. I got friends, too. Yeah. Uh, so long, pal. Shorty, wait. I'm going with you. Roberts. What's he talking about, that stuff about a double cross and an easy go? Forget it. Get it through your head, Charlie. You're the champ now. <coughs> well, that's Peg. <coughs> What's happening out there? Shorty, are you all right? Peg. Peg, help me up. Oh, it was terrible. One of Robert's thugs started to beat up Shorty as soon as we stepped outside. He won't beat up anyone else. Charlie, you didn't hurt your hands when you hit him. Yeah, Charlie. Yeah, you wouldn't want to hurt those precious hands. Shorty. I'm all right, Peg. Take care of Charlie. Don't let Shorty cross the street. He's hurt, stunned. Shorty, the taxi! Oh! Shorty! Oh, it hit him. He didn't see it. Shorty. Shorty. And everything you touch turns to blood. Charlie, you shouldn't drink so much. You've been on the bottle for two months. Why shouldn't I drink? I, I had three people. Three people that I love. Shorty's dead and Peg and... Ma, they don't want me, Roberts. They don't want me. Nobody wants me. Roberts... I need money. You're soft, Charlie. You can't fight anymore. And give me, give me an advance. I, I, I'll try. Sure, sure, Charlie. You'll owe it to me. Roberts, how'd you get into my apartment? I let myself in. Why? To give you sixty grand. Sixty. What for? The down payment for one boxing match with Jackie Marlowe. Marlowe's going to be the new champ. You mean... You mean I should throw the fight? Charlie, you're into me for plenty. If you lie down, I call it square. And you get 60 grand besides your purse. And if I don't? You've got no choice, Charlie. But Marlowe, well, I could take that punk in two rounds. I don't want to force you, Charlie. You're finished. You're no good to me anymore. So I hand Marlowe the title, huh? Don't bother training. Marlowe will take it easy on you. Here's the money, Charlie. In this envelope. Fight's already announced. Tomorrow the bets go in. It's business. Bet your end on Marlowe. He'll be a rich man. Sure. I'll have everything I ever wanted. Ma, it's me. Oh, Charlie. Can I, uh, can I come in, Ma? Come in, come in. 
I, uh, I wanted to see you. I, I can't find Peg. Who is it, Mrs. De... Peg. How are you, Peg? Why did you come here? I, I missed you, Peg. Why? Because I love you. You love Shorty too, Charlie. Well, haven't I suffered enough? I was wrong. Okay, I was wrong. How long do I have to pay for it? Charlie, you've changed. I'm scared, Peg. I, I had to see you and find out. Do you love me? Yes, Charlie. I love you. She's waited a long time, Charlie. I've waited a long time too, Peg. Oh, oh don't let go, Charlie. I'll, I'll fall down. Peg, Ma, I've got some great news for you. One more fight and I'm through. You stop fighting, Charlie? For good, and we'll be rich. Look, Peg, there's 60 grand to bet with in this envelope. No, Charlie, I'm taking it. Hey! If you lose it, then you want another fight and another. Mrs. Davis. It's Shimon from the grocery. Put the packages on the table, Shimon, and come see who's here. Huh? It's Charlie. Charlie, does the champion say hello to the grocer? Hello, Shimon. How are you? <laughs> oh, fine, fine. <laughs> the champion. You're going to knock out this Jackie Marlowe, huh, Charlie? Oh, uh, we'll see. Oh, good luck to you. Enter my $5, I bet, on the fight. Also good luck. Oh, you shouldn't bet, Shimon. No, everybody's betting on you, Charlie. The whole neighborhood. They're fools to bet. No, it's not the money, Mrs. Davis. It's our way of showing. In other countries... People like us have been killed and tortured because we're Jewish. But here, Charlie Davis is the champion. <laughs> so, Charlie, you'll win and still be champion, huh? Well, goodbye, Charlie, Mrs. Davis. Charlie, is something wrong? Ah, uh, it's suckers like Shimon. They make me sore. Suckers? Didn't you understand, Charlie? Well, what do you want me to do? End up broke or in an alley with a bullet in my back? Bullets? What are you talking about? The fight's fixed. It's fixed. It's all arranged. I'm going to lose. So you don't understand what Shimon said. So does anybody look out for me? Poor Charlie. Nobody looks out for you. You're both so high and mighty. But look, you took the dough, didn't you? You took the 60 grand. Here it is, Charlie. Here. Take it to bed against yourself. Take it all back. The happiness you've given me. The, the lonely nights. The long years. The, the stupid waiting. Go on, Charlie. Make more money. Throw the fuck. Counting me out. Finished. Sold out. By Chapman. Marlowe. Cutting me to pieces. Roberts lied. Me, the champ. Seven. Charlie Davis. Counting me out. Getting up. Nine. Up. Up. Now, Marlowe. Now it comes. Now you get it. Take it, Marlowe. Take it for the whole lousy racket. Take it for Peg. And for Ma. And for Shimon. And for the lonely years. For the long nights and the stupid waiting. Let her, let her through. Oh, Charlie. Charlie, you were wonderful. Yeah, champ. You were great. Tough. Tough luck, Roberts. You're a big shot now, Charlie. I'll have to wait. I'll pay you off for this. Roberts, you can pay me off. Everybody dies, but you can't take it away from me. Are you all right, Charlie? Are you all right? Sure, Peg. I'm all right. I never felt better in my life.
John Garfield will return in just a moment. Next week, as always, another great star recreates one of his most exciting roles on Screen Director's Playhouse. Our story is The Uninvited, and our star, Ray Milland, with Screen Director Lewis Allen. Now, here again is tonight's star, John Garfield. Thank you. Any realism you might have found in body and soul came partly because of a couple of ex-Eastside kids. A long time ago, they made some admirable efforts at beating each other's brains out in the boxing ring. I was one of them, and the other was the director of Body and Soul, Robert Rosson. Bob was a pretty lousy fighter, but he became one of Hollywood's most gifted writers and directors. Now, ladies and gentlemen, I'd like you to meet Robert Rosson. Thanks, Johnny, but you know you weren't such a hot fighter yourself in the old days. Well, I licked you, didn't I? I got even, Garfield. I got even. Yeah, how? It took a lot of plotting. First I became a writer, and then here in Hollywood I wrote a couple of pictures for you. Winning my confidence, huh? Then came the big break, body and soul. Me directing you in a fight picture. Yeah, go on. Well, remember those scenes where Jackie Marlowe was beating the pants off you? Ross and I still carry the bruises. Well, that's revenge, brother. That's revenge. <laughs> Listen, Bob, anytime you want revenge by letting me work under your direction, just let me know. But I'm warning you, I'll enjoy it as much as you will. That's a deal. Good night, Johnny. Good night, Bob. Good night, everyone. And good night to you, John Garfield and Robert Rosson. Remember next week... Ray Milland, and screen director Lewis Allen. Body and Soul was presented through the courtesy of Roberts Productions, producers of Force of Evil, starring John Garfield. Robert Rosson's latest production for Columbia release is All the King's Men, based on the Pulitzer Prize-winning novel. John Garfield will soon be seen in the 20th Century Fox production, The Big Fall. Included in tonight's cast were Barbara Eiler, Gail Bonney, Wally Mayer, Bill Conrad, Steve Dunn, Sarah Selby, Jerry Hausner, Ralph Moody, Hans Conried, and Dan Riss. Body and Soul was adapted for radio by Richard Allen Simmons, and original music was composed and conducted by Henry Russell. Screen Director's Playhouse is produced by Howard Wiley, with dramatic direction by Bill Karn. Portions of the program were transcribed. This is Jimmy Wallington speaking, inviting you to listen again at this same time next week when we present Screen Director's Playhouse, star Ray Milland, production The Uninvited, director Lewis Allen. How would you like to be called by Victor Mature and Linda Darnell and be offered a chance to win $26,300 worth of prizes? Sunday may be your lucky day to win, so tune in Hollywood Calling Sunday on NBC. You may talk to Victor Mature and Linda Darnell and win the film of Fortune Jackpot Sunday on Hollywood Calling. Stay tuned for Bill Stern and the Sports Newsreel on NBC.
And that's The Screen Director's Playhouse with Body and Soul, starring John Garfield from November 11, 1949, is heard over NBC. Stick around, I'll give you our lineup for episode 34 of the Classic Radio Theater after this short break. Next time on episode 34 of the Classic Radio Theater, brought to you by the Bradford Exchange, we'll hear two comedy episodes of My Friend Irma starring Marie Wilson. So don't miss it. To reach me and to learn more about the Classic Radio Club, visit ClassicRadioClub.com. Be sure to tune into our next show. Thanks for listening. <laughs>